How many of you already had church? <laughs> I love it when God shows up. Which he does pretty regularly. I uh, have several things I want to share this morning. But it's all related to one very short phrase. Word power. Word power. And uh, we're not, I, I'm not going to ask you to turn there, but Jeremiah chapter 1, we have what is called the call of Jeremiah. Let there be light. I'm going to move under the light. Can you see me? Yes. Do I look better? <laughs> the call of Jeremiah has actually been a, uh, that text has been a life verse for me for less than a hundred years. <laughs> because I can identify with Jeremiah. I think my personality is somewhat like his in many areas. Quite different from him in other areas, but that's true of all of us. But I felt like very early in my career as a teacher of the Word, God said to me, I have put my Word in your mouth. Now, go speak it. And uh, just one really short story to illustrate what happens when you walk in this, even when you don't really understand what you're doing, you're just sort of, yeah, God, you know, here I am. I have a class full of students here, and I've prepared my notes, but if you have something to say, you've got the floor. Mm -hmm. And quite often, he takes the floor without telling me he's taking the floor. I just <laughs> off the cuff say something. <laughs> or what I have prepared is actually his word. I mean, it, it happens all kinds of ways, but... A number of years ago, uh, th there were students who came to Elam, where I taught, who came from foreign nations who could only take one year. And sometimes the track they were on, they were not allowed to take one of my classes. Poor guys, you know. But uh, one of those foreign students who was not able to take my class asked one who was in my class, what's it like in Brother Fount's class, because the rumors are all over the campus, Brother Fount, Brother Fount. And uh, <laughs> I appreciate that, but it's true. Uh, what's it like being in his class? And this guy's answer was, well, we go to class, Brother Fount drops a bomb and goes home. <laughs> And actually, one of the uh, two of the words that are used in Jeremiah's commission, I command, I put you over the uh, the nations over. You know, I'm, I'm thinking of the Hebrew words, but I, I gotta translate into English right quick. But uh, the the goyim, which is the nations, and mamalachot, the uh, kingdoms. Okay. to destroy and to build up. 
So the word that he puts in your mouth might destroy something. The word that he puts in your mouth might build something up. I mean, there's other words there, and we could spend time with that, but my point is, when he puts his word in your mouth, and you release, release that word, something out there is going to happen. It destroys what needs to change, and plants, and, and word plant actually comes in that text, uh, to build into plant. Uh, it plants something in the place of what was there. So that my future today is quite different from my future which was yesterday. Now, it may take a moment for that to, if God comes, and I'm saying really God comes, uh, like our sister said, he's going to be here in the flesh. Boy, we're going to find out what that means. But God says to Mark, I promise you, this is going to happen. At that moment, Mark is standing between where he was yesterday and where he will be tomorrow when that promise is fulfilled. And that's a place of tension. Why haven't things changed? Well, the word is coming. It has come. It is coming. And it will come. And it will do what it came to do. So that's just sort of a, a background of what I want to say. But uh, open your phones and go to <laughs> Psalm 49. I love, some of you have paper Bibles. I love paper. Because I can mark in it and make notes and all sorts of things. But I just want to spend a few minutes with Psalm 49. And I'm going to start with verse 5 and 6. I'm just going to read them and make a few comments on the different words and concepts that are there. And after I've done that and talked about the distinctions that are there, we're going to specifically talk about the cheater. Uh, why should I fear in times of trouble? Now, we've been through a time of trouble. Uh, with COVID and, and with most of us, there are many other things that have come at the same time. I mean, this has been a two years of troubled times, right? And it's even very troublesome today. Uh, when the iniquity of those, and this version says, those who cheat, that actually is a verb form of the name Jacob. Jacob's name is Heel. <laughs> heel in the sense of uh, I'm going to grab your heel pull you down and put myself in your place he cheated his brother out of the birthright he cheated his brother out of the blessing and he cheated Laban out of a lot of his livestock now read the story I didn't write the story he was a cheater now many of us have cheaters in our life they cheat you out of what is rightfully yours. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit in a moment. But uh, So we're going to talk about the cheater. Then we're going to talk about... I'm going to give my own life story. It only takes about nine hours. So just relax. I'm going to give my life story. 
with reference to how a word actually determines your life. Now, then we will have a conclusion and show how God wants to help fix that. But the first thing I want to notice is this is strange. Uh, why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of those who cheat surround me? Now, what I noticed, this does not say the cheaters are surrounding me. The iniquity is surrounding me. And I, when I saw that, I just really went into a mode of meditation. God, show me what that means. What does it mean for the iniquity to surround you? I mean, the people may have maybe dead and gone, but their iniquity is surrounding. And the word for surround there is actually a, a military term. Whenever one army surrounds the other. How many of you know you're in trouble if you're surrounded? Unless the angels of the Lord are round about you. So there, there's the concept of surrounded. What does it mean for iniquity to surround you? And I want to begin uh, this part of it by giving a definition of iniquity. I, in the past, I've described this many different... I've talked through this psalm so many times I can't remember. But uh, I've come up with several definitions. And my goal is not to give you a dictionary definition of the word. I want to give a definition that will help you catch it. What is it really? What's implied in this word iniquity? And uh, I used to say, well, the iniquity is that which prompts you to do evil. I illustrate in this way. You do not become a thief when you steal something. If there is no thief in there, you will not take the thing that does not belong to you. The theft, the thief precedes the theft. But now in this text, and that's what the word iniquity implies, it's a thing that prompts you to do wrong. It's not the doing of wrong. It's the prompting behind the doing. It's the thief that prompts you to take what doesn't belong to you. But in this text, the iniquity is not in you. It's surrounding you. And so that's what I really had to work with for a while. Now, here, here's what I've come up with as a brand new definition of iniquity. A hypnotic power. Notice the word hypnosis. That seduces people to stray from the path. Now we all have a path that God has placed us on. The end result, the, the goal of that path is the presence of the Lord and, and all the good things we talk about. It's not heaven, incidentally. Because heaven is coming here. What I want to be up there if heaven is down here. You know, God is coming here. I want to be where He is. So I'm not interested in being caught up and going to heaven. I want to be where God is. I want to be with Him. And, and we say that. I just want you. I just want you. 
and I do. But I've learned something. When I get him, I get everything, including the ability to draw you into what he's doing. It, it's an amazing thing. But hypno, uh, iniquity is a hypnotic power that seduces you from spring from that path that God has you on. Now, that path is different for all of us because he created us in a different way for a different purpose. What he wants to comp uh, accomplish in my life is quite different from what uh, he wants to accomplish in Pat's life or in John's life. It's different. And we're different. Boy, are we ever different. Some of us are more different than others. It's just amazing. But... The path that God has me on, there's something that wants to pull me aside into the ditch. Now this ditch can be very deep. It can be called a pit. How many of you have ever been in the pit? I have. We put it in the plural. Boy, this is the pits. Yeah, that's the ditch when you're outside of the path. So iniquity is that hypnotic power that seduces to stray from the path. Now, words like this will tell you, why did I say that? You said the thing, and now the relationship has all been out of shape. And you ask yourself, why did I say that? I knew that wasn't going to work. There was an iniquity surrounding you that draw you into saying that. Well, the words that I said were good, but the turn of voice. Man, the tone of voice often speaks a lot more than the words. Why did that tone of voice? I was trying to say something nice, and it came across with a cutting edge. I know none of you have ever experienced that, but I do that. Not as often as I used to, but... There it is. I, I, I meant to say nice, and I said nice. <laughs> uh, is this communicating yet? Yes. Okay. Uh, why do I always fall for that same thing? I mean, I tripped on that thing two weeks ago. I tripped on it again today. And now that I think about it, I trip on that thing pretty regular. Why is it I keep tripping up on the same issue? Something is surrounding me and hypnotize, come on. And I'm thinking of the, the snake in Mowgli. I'm offering you something that's very good. Why do I keep falling for that? It's hypnotic. Yeah. And it's in the atmosphere. That's what I want to get across with the word surrounding you. It's in the atmosphere. Okay. Why is everybody always picking on me? There used to be a song like that. If any of you old enough, anyone remember that song? Why is everybody always picking on me? Why is it? Because there is something surrounding me that invites people to pick on me. Yes. Mm -hmm. On we could go with illustrations. 
But there's another level. Why does it bother me that I said that when I've already apologized and I've repented and they've forgiven me and then I go to bed and I can't sleep. I can't believe I said that. Why didn't repentance and confession, why didn't that take care of me? Because there's something surrounding in the atmosphere that even goes to bed with me. Something someone said 10 years ago, you still remember it and every time you remember it, this thing rises up. That's iniquity surrounding you. Okay? Uh, why do the cheaters have no regret? Now that one really bothers me. These people that do things wrong and think they're good. And they try to make me feel bad because I'm not like them. I'm not willing to play this game that they're playing. And we could go into many different areas that's in our world today about the free this and the free that and uh, sexual freedom and all of that. Uh, oh, you're just not free. I mean, I, there was a group who were trying to convince, well, had convinced one another that uh, husbands and wives go together to a motel and, sweat and swap partners. That's happening today in different cultures. Christians, I'm not talking about the world. I know of Christian elderships that do that. And they think they're holier than we are because they're free. Yeah, me too. And what happened when you think about that? Matter of fact, some of you, when you go home, it's going to bother you so much that you can't get rid of the thought. You get You go to bed. Why do people? There is something in the atmosphere around the whole world that is trying to pull us aside. And if it can't make us do those things, it can make us worry about it so much that we become ineffective in the kingdom of God, which is straying from the path. Okay. Now, uh, iniquity is a spirit bond. Now, I'm using that phrase. Many of you know the phrase about a, a, a soul tie. Most people who use that phrase are referring to a specific tie that happens between uh, people who engage in sex before marriage. And there is a tie that happens there. That girl that you had sex with before you got married, she goes to bed with you every night. You go with your wife. You're thinking about her instead of your wife or husband. That iniquity is even in this room making some of you wonder, why are we talking about this stuff? Let's talk about something good. Well, we're going toward the good, but if you don't realize what you're leaving behind, you take it with you. Okay. Now, who is it? Why should I fear? When you raise that question, 
What was he afraid of? People out there who are doing their own thing, I'm not afraid of them, I'm angry. I wouldn't call that fear. Whenever they do that thing and, and put me up, I don't have fear, I have anger. And revenge, all kinds of things like that, I wouldn't use the word fear. And that is really the issue that I wanna hit on this morning. But those who trust in their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches. What's this guy really struggling with? This psalmist was having a problem. This psalmist, one of the sons of Korah, I think if I remember correctly, uh, he's having a struggle with himself in a situation. We don't know what the situation was. We just know we have the same kind of struggle he was having. And what is it? It's the, what I call a nya nya. Nya 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 nya. I've got more than you've got. In other words, I have something you don't have. Glory to me. Don't you wish you had it? And there's something that rises up because the iniquity is trying to draw you in. To try to compete with this person to have as much freedom or as much money or as much influence or whatever as they have. I used to really be jealous that Billy Graham had talked to huge auditorium and 2,000 people would come and I spoke to a large congregation, had the altar call, and nobody came. Na, 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 na. You can't have an altar call. You can't. I was trying to be Billy Graham rather than being the one God called me to be. I was drawn to the side into the ditch. Does this make some sense? Yes. Now you have to read your own story into this. But it's word power. You don't have what I have. It's word power. Yeah. Words and actions. Sometimes they didn't say anything but what they did said a lot. You know, actions speak louder than words. They do. And some actions will wound you like a knife, like a spear. They just cut to the heart. Fiery darts of the enemy. You're piercing the heart, and it burns, and it burns, and it burns. There's something in the atmosphere trying to draw you away from the joy of the Lord and the ministry of His love to those around you. And they make you angry so you can't minister love. Okay. Now, any word or action that excludes others is the opposite of love. We're going to get to the fear question in just a moment. But you can see that very clearly. If, if I, I say to uh, whoever, 
started to pick on somebody, but uh, I'm not going to call a name. If I pick on someone, they might get offended and drawn into the ditch. So this person over here, you can't be a part of what I'm doing. You're not good enough. Whether it's an action or a word, and it may be true, I have some things other people don't have. I can do some things other people can't do because of the way God wired me. And Mark can do some things that other people can't do because God wired him to do that. I wasn't wired to do that. And if I use that to boast. See, there are many forms of wealth. Money is a form of wealth, but there are other forms of wealth. There is the ability to do. My brother had that. And we're getting into my own story here. My dad was a building contractor. And he had a vision of building a business that he wanted to call Schultz and Sons, plural. My big brother was perfect for that because whatever his hands needed to do. Somehow his hands knew what to do without having to study and learn. I don't understand that gift. I watch it happen. I watched it growing up. So my dad was like that. He could do anything that involved working with really. hey, He could do it. Jack of all trades. And he did it well. Now, here's the problem. My brother used his hands-on ability to gain father's approval at my expense. Oh, little found, he just stood there and watched while I was doing all the work, Dad. And he gets the pat on the back and I get those words. You dummy. You're stupid. You don't know anything. You will never amount to anything. Are those words Sometimes they're not spoken, but they're implied. Yes. With the rolling of the eyes. Body language sometimes says you're not good enough. And that pulls you aside and you live under the power of that word. Because it is surrounding you. So there's a hands-on. Another form of wealth is... A strong will. This is a person, they decide we're going this way and you're going that way with them. They're good leaders. If they're going in a good direction, that's a good thing. But there are those who will pull you aside and influence your will to do what they want even though it's wrong. The strong will is not the problem. It's what they are willing that's the problem because they have the power to suck you into it. There's an iniquity of that person that begins to surround you and pull you into the vortex. Mm -hmm. Okay? So there's the strong will. There are also strong emotions. Some people can release their emotions so strongly they cry, you cry. They laugh, you laugh. They're very good actors on the stage. Movie actors and actresses have that gift 
to draw you into the emotion of the moment. And there I am. It's just a movie. It's light on the screen, and I'm bawling like a baby. Mm -hmm. And I look, why am I crying? This is just a movie. But the iniquity surrounds the whole theater and draws people into it. And if it's really good, there'll be a standing ovation at the end. Everyone said, oh, how wonderful. And that is actually in the text here, which I'm not going to read, because I need to get to this final point. So, I, my dad's word to me, you're dumb, you're stupid. I, I think of that. Have I ever talked about the t-shirts and overcoats here? Okay. Yeah, there are a lot of people here. I don't recognize who are you. <laughs> uh, but you're welcome. I think of that dum-dum as a t-shirt. As a little kid, I got this t-shirt which my daddy put on me with his words. You're dumb. So I'm the dum-dum and I have a dum-dum t-shirt. Now whenever I get into uh, teenage years, being dumb is not popular. So I put on a clown suit. I became the class clown. And I, I mean, I had people laughing and I thought, well, this is good, at least I'm getting some positive attention, which usually it was everybody were picking on me because I had this kick me sign, which was my own iniquity drawing them in to kick me and to reject me. So there. Now, don't, I put on the clown suit. Now, whenever I became an adult out of high school, there's no place for clowns except in the circus, and that didn't appeal to me in the least. So I went to college to get myself a smart suit. I call that a three-piece suit that says smart. The problem is, I can remember walking across the stage to receive my degree. I had relatively good grades, very high grade point average. And my thinking was, boy, did I ever fool those professors. If they had known how dumb I was, they would not have given me that grade. Now that, I'm, I seriously thought those things. I have a gift for pretending that I'm smarter than I really am. And I fooled them. So I'm walking across the stage, and my expectation is to open this up later and read a letter. You need to come see the registrar. There's one more course you need. And it was a course that I would never be able to pass. I opened it up, and there was a degree in there with my name on it. And here, literally, here was my thought. What a dumb university. <laughs> giving a degree to a dummy. See, I still am in, under the power of the word dumb. And so I, I got a job while I'm finishing uh, some things, started my master's degree and I got a job teaching. And uh, I had to finish this master's degree because they asked some questions that I didn't know the answer and that exposed my dummy. You with me so far? So I put on 
a, a, a camel hair overcoat, big thick one, double smart. And they got me a job teaching again. Student asks a question, I just make up an answer with big words because I know they won't understand anyway. Some of you who've been to college, you've had professors like that. Uh, I've done that because I was surrounded by an iniquity that was drawing me to fight, to conquer the dumb word. That makes some sense? Yep. I wanted to redeem myself from the power of dumb. Well, I came home after one class and I told them, I said, I've got to go for a PhD because I'm still not totally covered. And I think of this as metal armor with a helmet and a visor. Nobody gonna see nothing. With a PhD, everybody knows you must be double, triple smart. And I was a smart aleck. <laughs> Smarty pants and all of that. Now with that, I started working and I did very well in graduate, postgraduate school, extremely well. And when I finished all the coursework, tremendous grade point average, I started writing my dissertation and God began to reveal to me the world of demons. That was in the early, very early 70s with the Jesus movement and they came into the kingdom of God with serious issues. Some of you remember those. Some of you was them. <laughs> okay. And uh, I believe that all the demons were cast out in the first century. There weren't any today except maybe in Africa. Which is kind of dumb thinking. That just proves I'm dumb. Okay. <laughs> and we're going somewhere with this. Stay with me. God put demonized people in front of me in a way that I could not deny. This is not natural. Girls speaking in a male voice, words that they could not have known, with power. And so I, ha I began to be introduced. Now this is a part of the next step in my own personal journey. As I am finishing up my degree work and start to do research for my dissertation, there was an invitation of a guy, actually a disciple of Derek Prince, if any of you who know Derek Prince, he brought deliverance into the church. Uh, other things as well, but especially deliverance ministry. And one of his disciples was doing a seminar on deliverance uh, within like a hundred miles where we live. So a bunch of us elders got together, can you believe, in early 70s, yeah. a Volkswagen bus. <laughs> and I already had a little Maynard beard. I mean, I was on the way. And we went to the thing, and, and the guy gave a very good message. I'm taking good notes. I learned how to take notes, and uh, I'm getting all this information. 
underlined the word information. And he had an altar call, very simple. If anyone wants to be closer to God, come up front, I'll pray for you. Now I'm thinking, who doesn't want to be closer to God? So I got up and I went up. I was not thinking of me being delivered. I'm thinking, I just want to be closer to God. And there's about 12, 15 of us, I didn't count them, and I'm roughly in the middle of the group. And I'm looking back at the elders who came with me, they didn't come up. And my thinking, do they not want to be closer to God? I mean, that, that's how serious I was. I wanted more of God. And so he's going and he's just pray, praying a blessing on every person. He did not cast demons out. He just prayed a blessing. When he came to me, he looked me right in the eyes and he said, I come against that demon of intellectualism, demand you go in Jesus' name. And I literally felt a band around my head snap. It had surrounded me. And it snapped. And all of a sudden, I don't need a PhD. I had been driven to redeem myself from the power of the word dumb. I don't need it anymore because I've got him. I don't, but the Lord said, write the dissertation. Strict discipline. I was no longer driven. I did not have that unhealthy passion to prove how smart I am. I just disciplined myself to do it. I finished it. I got the PhD. I never hung it on my wall. I do not even know where that piece of paper is today. To me, it's only a piece of paper. And who knows which garbage dump it ended up in. I do not need a PhD. I have one. And what I learned in that process is very valuable to me. But you don't have to call me Dr. Schultz. Just call me Brother Found. That's who I am. Brother Found. Okay. So I was driven to redeem myself. Let's go to verse 15 and we'll be done shortly. About two more hours. <laughs> verse 15, but God will redeem my soul from the power of Sheol. Now the word Sheol, in King James it's often translated hell. That's not what it means. It refers to the grave, but good people go there as well as bad people. It's where the dead people live. Sounds weird, but it's true. Dead people live over there. They don't live here anymore. Now, the word is also used with reference to things like depression and oppression. It's the pit. Whenever David the psalmist says, you saved me from the pit, he wasn't talking about death as we think of it. As a matter of fact, death is an honor to a man who is upright and godly. And it's a good transition. You simply transition from 
the community here to the community over there. And the, the uh, funeral process, uh, practices in Israel, they slept with their fathers. You see, there's a community of the fathers over there. We call it the cloud of witnesses. We just join the cloud of witnesses. We're still a part of the community of the living and the dead. Same community, just two different living situations. One over there, one over here. And so to their mind, unless you've really been bad and you don't get buried, like Jezebel, the dogs ate her flesh, she was not buried anywhere. She was not allowed to sleep with her fathers and mothers. Now that's the, the Hebrew way of thinking. So death itself, or this word shil, refers to separation. Alienation from the family. Alienation from the in-group. Alienation from the place where you want to belong. You don't have what it takes. Alienates me from that place I belong. And that and the iniquity on those words surround me and actually took me on a journey that took several years to overcome. And I'm not going to tell you the whole story. We're running out of time. No, no we're not. I know I could talk to but it's almost my nap time, so. <clears throat> okay. Now, he will ransom or redeem my soul. Not my body. You see, the, the psalmist is not saying, I don't believe I'm going to die. He will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, the power of those words that want to pull you off the path into the ditch, which is sometimes a very deep chasm. He will ransom my soul, my behavior mechanism, my mind, my will, my emotion, however it is affecting you because of your personality to draw you aside. He is the Redeemer. And here's the question. How does he redeem me from the power of the words? For he will receive me. The power that deals with rejection is a welcome into an in-group that is awesome beyond any in-group you have in this world. I have a place with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and the rest of you guys in fellowship and that is a place of honor and dignity. So who needs me? Uh, why would I need to be in that group? when I'm already in this group. What solves the problem of rejection is knowing he has received me. His embrace, his welcome arms, and that solves 
the whole problem. So, that's our conclusion. We must receive his reception. God's arms are open. But, you know, I don't want to... Real men don't need... Oh, this one does. I needed redeeming from the words that had been spoken to me. So the challenge that we end with is open your arms to him whose arms are open to you. You see, a hug is always two ways. If you ever hug someone, it's like hugging a tree. They're, they're, I mean, it's stiff. There's no hugging back. And that's not a hug. It's something else. A hug means I'm hugging you and you're hugging me. And God is here hugging both of us. Receive his reception. Open your arms to him whose arm is open to you. Mark. Thank you, Brother Frank. Sister Linda, can you share? We would never miss the good that you had to share. Come on. Well, I love Mount's testimony, and uh, but I always like to bring a conclusion to it. But if you will notice uh, that negative word from his dad caused him to try to come try, try to come to a well. <coughs> that he misused, and he misused his education in hurting students. And, and then it even established in him where he started seeing himself as a teacher. So it was like, okay, I've overcome the dungeon, I'm a teacher. But then the, what the Lord came and spoke to him is... Uh, the Lord said to me one day, yes, you're a teacher. But first of all, you're a son whom I allow to teach. My identity is not, I am a teacher. My identity, I'm a son of the living God. And he equipped me and he allows me to teach. Thank you. So I just wanted to say that because I know that all of us have different areas where words have hurt us and we've maybe tried to establish our own wealth. And then that has then turned to others. But what he really wants us to come to the point of seeing is, I'm his daughter. I'm his son. And so, <laughs> Yes. Stay here, please. Both of you. Your heart will know in this moment that you need more. Maybe you don't, but most of you will. And as you come, to just simply receive a brief hug from these two, and we'll add some others beside them to make the numbers up, but as you come, don't look to a person other than Jesus. Because he is the one who brings you out of where you are and brings you into where he wants you. He uses other people to do that. But as you step up from your seat and come forward, I want you to feel the words dropping off. 
Because I believe Fountain Linda have released something in the Holy Spirit today that gives us the freedom to step out of what was and into what will be. So I want to invite you, whenever you're ready, just come and step out of your seat. Feel the negative words drop off. Just like he said, the band around his head just snapped. <laughs> and then just allow God to deposit something fresh in you through someone's hug this morning. So we will bring others up as well to, to, to give hugs. And after you've had a hug, you're dismissed. You don't have to rush off, but if you need to, you're welcome to. So come on up. Let the words drop off. Let God pour life into you.